Well, I, I remember one of the first times that I uh, led a communion service. And if you've ever taken communion before, you realize there's two elements. There's a little cup of juice and a little piece of bread or cracker. And the bread represents the body of Christ and the, um, the broken body of Christ on the cross. And the cup represents his blood that was shed for us to forgive our sins. And so when I was doing the uh, communion service, for some reason or another, uh, I, I, I had a, a brain cramp and, uh, and decided that I wanted everyone to drink the juice first. And so they all drank the juice, and then they took the little cracker. How many of you know, you know, that's an incredible uh, um, symbol that we participate in, but that cracker's not always good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Can we just be honest about that? I mean, sometimes it's dusty, even chalky. And you hadn't lived until you sat through a worship service where the guy got it backwards, and you had nothing to wash the cracker down with. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and you're just kind of trying to get it out of your teeth. And, it just, uh, and so what I learned that, that night is, you know, order, order matters. <laughs> Order's important. Uh, and so I didn't ever do that again uh, that I can remember. But I, I didn't do that again. But order does matter. And so in this series we've been talking about Follow the Cloud, we've been talking about kind of this order that God works in our lives. And if you get this out of order... It really does matter. We've been talking about the children of Israel and how God led them with a cloud in the sky that was a physical picture of a spiritual truth. And that spiritual truth is the cloud's not in the sky today, but he lives inside of our heart. His name's the Holy Spirit. He's not an it, he's a him. And, and so what we've said in this series is when you follow the cloud, when you follow the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, this is the direction he's going to lead you. He's going to lead you first to experience or to receive His grace, which is where we get our identity from. We know who we are in Christ. And then He's going to lead you to experience God's presence in a relationship with the Father. And then He's going to lead you to reproduce the kingdom of God, and that's where we find our purpose. And so we've been walking through that, but if you get those out of order, it, it really does matter. See... What, what we're looking at today is the last arrow. This is the end of the series where we reproduce God's kingdom. Because who you are determines what you do. When I receive God's grace and I experience God's presence in a relationship with Him, He shapes my whole being and a new identity is formed. And from that identity flows a purpose that determines what we do. So why is order important? Watch, because God is pouring grace into you and he's pouring his presence into you so that he can pour his grace and presence out of you. But God can't pour out of you what has not been poured into you. And so that's why this order matters. He wants to first pour into you so that he can pour out of you. That's why the uh, order matters. If you don't receive his grace and experience his presence, you won't have the faith to follow him into your purpose. You'll always be a little unsure or timid. So where do we get this idea of reproduce the kingdom? Genesis 1.28 says, Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So when we hear that, we usually think of have a lot of children, right? Be fruitful and multiply. Some, some of you have even kind of used that you know, verse at home. Honey, it's time to be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> and I think that's completely legitimate. If you were going to use scripture that way, though, I think you should use all the scripture. So when she replies with, 
The Bible also says that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Get in here and help me finish the dishes. Then I think, and then maybe we'll do some multiplying. And then I think it works. You see what I'm saying? So sure, there's a natural sense in which this is true, but there's also a supernatural or spiritual sense in which it's true. We are to re reproduce the life of God and those around us. So that's God's plan. Now, John 20, 21 says it this way. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. What does that mean? Jesus is saying to me and you, just like my Father sent me, I am sending you. How? The same way. In the exact same way. So I want you this morning just to um, consider that thought. Do you know that you've been sent? God has sent you. Jesus himself has sent you. That's a powerful thought. Would you just, would you just say this with me? I have been sent. Would you say that? I have been sent. Let's try it a different way. God has sent me. You ready? God has sent me. That's a powerful thought. Where has God sent you? Wherever you are. One of our staff a couple of weeks ago ran into a Muslim lady at Starbucks and had a profound conversation in Starbucks for a little while. Why? Because God has sent you wherever you go. Wherever you are, you're sent by Him. See, you're an undercover servant of God's kingdom. Your cover, if you're undercover, what's your cover? Your cover is your job. Or your cover is your school. Or your position. Or your season of life. Or your challenge is your cover. But your assignment gives you unique access to bring the life of God to people in this world. So if you're a delivery driver, God has sent you all over the city. If you're a teacher, every day you have the ability to speak life and to invest and believe in young people with broken hearts and broken homes. God has sent you to those students. If you're a stay-at-home uh, parent or have small children, you go to games and parks and activities and birthday parties and schools and God has empowered you by him, His Spirit for you to bring peace into the chaos. He has sent you. If you're a student, a college student, a high school student, of any, any age, every day when you walk those hallways, your character is tested. And you're making dozens of micro little decisions every day. What kind of person are you going to be? Are you going to do good? Are you going to speak good? Are you going to encourage others? Are you going to get sucked into the chaos? You see, God has sent you. You aren't just doing whatever you're doing. You're reproducing the kingdom of God around you. Let me say it this way. The kingdom within you will ultimately become the kingdom around you if you follow the Holy Spirit. It's like throwing a rock into a pond. It touches it and then it ripples out and affects the entire surface. So what are you and I sent to do? If the Father sent Jesus and Jesus sent us, then the same thing the Father sent Jesus to do, Jesus has sent us to do. So... We can look back at Jesus and say, what was that like? And we can learn everything we need to know about what, what this sending in our life is like. So Jesus was sent on a mission. Now you and I can't say that we're following Jesus unless our life mission is his life mission, right? 
Unless we go where Jesus went, unless we do what Jesus did, we can't say we're really following him. So what was Jesus' life mission? Like Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus' life mission was to reproduce the kingdom of God everywhere he went because he believed the Father sent him everywhere he went and he was on a mission to seek and save the lost. Now you might be wondering this morning, how would I do that? The same way Jesus did. Seeking and saving the lost was his mission. This morning, I want to look at some of Jesus' methods. So if you got something to write with, let me give you a few of Jesus' methods. How did he go about seeking and saving the lost? Number one, servanthood and humility. Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to, to, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus washed feet and ate with the poor and, and, uh, and hung out with the rejected. And he took time to teach children. And he shared love, God's love with uh, women when it wasn't uh, culturally acceptable to do so. Jesus didn't serve from a place of position and title. He served from a place of identity. That was who he was. And Jesus reached the lost by serving them. I wonder if you have any lost people in your life God has sent you to serve. Another method he used is Jesus did good everywhere. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, and power. Watch this. And how he went about, went around doing good. Jesus went around doing good. Jesus was always doing good. We don't have any record of Jesus doing bad. We can't even picture Jesus doing bad, can we? So what would it look like for you and I to use Jesus' method to do Jesus' mission. What would it look like? It would mean that we would be doing good. So like at the workplace or at the local school, we can't be known as the town gossip. Right? Because that's not doing good. We can't be known as the one who's tearing other people down. We can't be known as the people who are using people to get stuff rather than using stuff to bless people. That's not good. Do you think if Jesus was on social media today, he would do good? Do you think since Jesus was sent by the Father everywhere he went, and God has sent us everywhere we go, if we are sent onto social media, what would that look like? Too many times we hurt Jesus' name with our comments and rants and political statements. Ask yourself when you're on social media, am I trying to build my kingdom or I'm trying to build God's kingdom? What am I doing? I don't think we've meaningfully considered what it might look like to display the fruit of the Holy Spirit on social media. So what is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is that what it looks like when you're on social media? Is that what your post, is that what your comments, is that what your engagement on social media looks like? Does it look like the fruit of the Holy Spirit? So the question this morning is, if Jesus' method was everywhere he went, it did good, do you do good everywhere you go? Social media is one of the places we go. Jesus reached the lost by doing good. I, I think one of the incredible examples that we've had, not only in our lifetime, but in all of human history, is Billy Graham. He's a man that did good everywhere he went. 
And it opened a lot of doors for the gospel because he believed he was sent there. You're probably aware Billy Graham at 99 years old went to heaven this week. I've been thinking about that every day. I don't know if that's stirred in you, but it's just stirred in me. And every day this week I've been thinking about his life and legacy and how profound the life he lived was, what it means. So I, this morning I, I've got a short little three-minute video that I want to show you that's kind of a tribute to his life. But it, it, it serves the purpose this morning of illustrating what it looks like when a person does good everywhere they go and the doors that it opens for the gospel. So go ahead and play the video. Don't ever say it's a white man's religion or a black man's religion. Christ belongs to all people. He belongs to the whole world. Graham also took on apartheid, refusing to hold a crusade in South Africa until the meetings were integrated. Despite sharp criticism from many in the religious community, Billy Graham also took the message of salvation behind the Iron Curtain to communist Eastern Europe. They had packed the material in little cellophane bags with a pencil and a decision card and a gospel so that they would have the scriptures. And we just passed them out. We threw them out to the people and they were reaching up and grabbing them. They were so hungry to hear the word and to receive it. He even went into North Korea, one of the world's most secretive regimes, to talk about Christ with its leader, the late Kim Il-sung. Billy Graham really opened up more countries to the gospel, or inspired more young preachers to have faith to believe that nations can be opened up, has given credibility to biblical Christianity like no one except maybe the Apostle Paul in history. Like the Apostle Paul, Billy Graham was not ashamed to share the gospel with people in power. He has stayed focused uh, on telling men and women about Jesus Christ. Uh, his ministry, uh, his life, every speaking engagement, every opportunity with a president or a king or whoever, uh, he would always get the conversation right around to the gospel. He was known as the pastor to the presidents, a friend of 11 commanders in chief. He has reached out equally for opportunities to serve God to all people. When he prays with you, you feel that he's praying for you, not the president. The humble farmer's son who helped change the world is a spiritual gift to all of us. The evangelist helped change the world and the world noticed. Since 1955, Billy Graham was listed a record 54 times by the Gallup organization as one of the 10 most admired men in the world including 48 times consecutively, more than any other person in history. But in spite of the acclaim, Billy Graham walked in humility, a life yielded to Christ. He made this clear at the dedication of his library. My whole life has been to please the Lord and to honor Jesus, not to see me, not to think of me. You come right now, quickly. While every head is bowed in prayer and the choir sings softly just as I am, hundreds are already coming from everywhere. You come with us. You out there tonight can give your life to Christ. Just bow your head and say yes to Christ right now. Wow. Eleven presidents from both parties sought his confidence. You know why? Because he did good. 
Doors weren't closed to him because he wasn't polarizing. And I just think it's something we should stop and consider about our own lives, our own interactions, social media, all of that. Is the fruit of the Spirit coming through your life? Because that's one of the earmarks of Jesus' method and how he reached the world. Number three, compassion. I looked up last night every time the Bible says that Jesus had compassion on somebody. And it says he had compassion on the weary, on the grieving, the hungry, the lost, the sick, the blind. He had compassion on entire cities. And he had compassion on people who lacked spiritual guidance. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tested in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus has compassion on our humanity. He knows what it feels like to go through what you're going through. Why does that make us all feel so much better? It does, doesn't it? It makes us feel better to know that Jesus knows what it feels like to go what we're going through. But because it comforts us. Compassion comforts us. Who do you have compassion for? Do you have someone in your life who godly compassion moves you to action on their behalf? It might be a kind word. It might be a text. It might be something on social media. It might be a gift. It might be encouragement. It might be some way that you practically help. Is there, a, is there a lost person in your life that God has sent you to that you have compassion for? Compassion was one of Jesus' methods. He used compassion to reach lost people for miracles. Miracles. One day when Jesus was teaching in someone's home, uh, some guys brought their paralyzed friend on a mat and they couldn't get in the house, so they tore a hole in the roof and lowered him down. And when they uh, uh, laid him down on the floor, right in front of Jesus where he was teaching, they were hoping he would heal him. And then here's what happened in Luke 5.20. When Jesus saw their faith, what, what's the first thing that he said to him? Your sins are forgiven. Now watch, watch. Miracles was a method Jesus used to reach the lost. Your sins are forgiven, he says. The Pharisees and the teachers of law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus, I love this line, Jesus knew what they were thinking. <laughs> Be careful what you think. <laughs> Jesus knew what they were thinking. They were so used to thinking one thing and doing another. They didn't think they'd get caught. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I want you to know that he has that authority. So what did he do? So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what had been, he'd been lying on and went home praising God. Why did Jesus heal that man? To show them and him that he had the authority to forgive sins and heal the soul. Miracles are never about miracles. Jesus used miracles to reach lost people and forgive sin. That's what he did. It was his method. Now you say, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. 
Time out. Compassion, I can do. Serving, I can do. I might even be able to make some adjustments on Facebook. But I can't do miracles. You're right. Neither can I. But you can pray. You can pray for miracles. Do you have any lost people in your life who God has sent you to who need a miracle? You can pray for them. Hey, look, you can even be sneaky about it. It's okay. I give you permission. We authorize you today to be sneaky, undercover. You can just start praying for them and not even tell them. You don't even have to tell them. Just start to pray, God, for Carol right now, or John, Lord, for Mark, the guy I work with, or Mike. Lord, I, on my way to work, I just, I just know he's been going through some stuff, and I just pray for him today. And, and who knows, over time, you, you might even begin to say to them, Hey, I've been, I've been praying for you. How are you doing? And, and you might even advance it to, you know, I've been praying for you a lot. Is there, is there any way I can pray for you? Like specifically? Who knows what doors would open? We can pray. If God does miracles to show lost people he can forgive sin, he might just do some there. We've been trying to hoard all the miracles inside. I think the greatest ones are all out there. And then number five, destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was what? To destroy the devil's work. Now you're thinking, I picked the wrong day to come to church. What are you talking about? What do I get, an axe, a chainsaw? Like how, how does that, how do we destroy the works of the devil? Here's the, here's the way. The same way that Jesus did, you operate in the opposite spirit. What does that mean? Well, Jesus operated in the op opposite spirit of whatever the devil was doing. So when the woman who was caught in adultery was about to be stoned to death by religious people, Jesus refused to condemn her. He received children who were being pushed away. He touched the leper when everybody else was avoiding him. If there was hate, he brought love. If there was fear, he brought faith. If there was despair, he brought hope. If there was chaos, he brought peace. Darkness is defeated by the opposite spirit. So try it sometime. When your boss offends you, serve her instead of judging her. When your spouse disappoints you, encourage them. When someone in your life is hostile, return kindness. When your friend is in chaos, offer peace. You may be thinking, oh, that'll never work. That'll never work. Well, let me give you one worse than that. Look at Luke 10, 3. Go, Jesus said. I'm sending you like lambs among wolves. <laughs> Who wants to be a lamb among the wolves? It's like a National Geographic episode. We know what happens. We've watched it. They're going down. Why do we? Because everything in our world is upside down and God's kingdom is right side up. In God's kingdom, lambs win and wolves lose. It might sound scary, but a baby in a manger defeated an entire kingdom of darkness. And one man hanging on a cross conquered death, sin, and the grave. It's upside down. So, is there a lost person in your life somewhere 
that needs you to operate in the opposite spirit of everything else they've seen? Is the cloud, if the cloud you're following doesn't ultimately lead you into some lost person's life, you're not following the cloud, you're following the fog. See, God will only give you, as we've talked about in the kingdom, God will only give you His power to build His kingdom. He'll never give you His power to build your kingdom. So where do I start? Well, when over one million people were being relocated from Egypt and bondage and slavery after 400 years, for 40 years they moved toward the promised land. When they were being relocated, God gave them a simple way to follow Him into new places. They arrived at the promised land, but now what are they going to do? Look at Exodus 23, 30. He says, little by little... I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to possess the land. How does God work? Little by little. The New Testament says it this way. He who is faithful over a few things will be made ruler of many things. So other people, when they're just seeing routine, mundane, it's Monday morning, why do I have to do this? What does this matter? When everybody else is looking at it that way, you're saying, I'm taking a little step and I'm declaring God's kingdom today. I'm taking a little step and little by little and little by little, the kingdom of God is being reproduced and increased around me because I refuse to operate in the wrong spirit. I refuse to go along with the way the world's doing this. I'm going to keep doing this the way Jesus wants me to do it. And little by little and little by little, the kingdom of God that's in you is being reproduced around you every major leader in the Bible was faithful in the little things before they were entrusted with the big things Joshua was Moses servant for 40 years Nehemiah was the cup bearer before he was the wall builder Timothy was Paul's assistant and Jesus was a carpenter for decades what is God's dream for your life God's dream for your life is not to have one or two or five gigantic breakthrough moments. God's dream for your life is that you take a thousand little steps toward Him. A thousand little steps toward Him. Do you realize one of those little steps that you take might be the miracle that somebody else needs? The little step that you take might, might be you might be the answer to somebody else's prayer. So what do we so what do we do? What do, what do we say to these things? Find the smallest step you can do and do it. Sometimes I think because we're waiting for the big things, we never do the little things. We live in a very complicated and overwhelming world and we keep wondering God, when am I going to have time to live this abundant life we're always talking about? When am I ever going to have enough responsibility taken off me? When, maybe later, maybe at a different season, maybe when the kids graduate school, maybe, maybe this, maybe that, maybe the other. And it's because we, we wait to do it perfectly or too big or something like that. And God is just saying, what's the smallest step? What's the smallest step you can take in the direction I've given you? Take that step. And so if you look at that step and say, I have to do that next week, then the step's too big. If you're looking at the step and saying, I can't do that right now, I'm going to have to get to that later, the step's too big. Then break it down and make it smaller. Would you stand with me this morning?
God has sent you to reproduce the kingdom of God. He sent you to reproduce the kingdom of God. One little step at a time. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. If you'd close your eyes and just open your heart. I want to ask you this morning, what is your, what is your step? Would you, everybody in the room, would you just begin to pray? Because I believe God wants to lead you, and I believe God wants to show you His love. And I believe God wants to guide you. And He wants you to be a kingdom reproducer that flows from an identity and grace and a relationship with Him. Would you just begin to ask Him? God, what is, what is that little step? Just ask Him. Just pray where you are. In your heart. Just pray where you are. God, is there a step for me to take? What is, what is, the, what is the next thing you want me to do? What is the little thing you want me to do? Holy Spirit, just speak now. You are the cloud that is in us. So you are here to speak and to lead and to guide. You want us to follow you. Maybe today your step is to receive grace. Maybe your step is to forgive or to encourage. Maybe your step's inside your own family. Maybe it's time for you to go and ask for forgiveness from your spouse. Maybe it's time for you to reach out at work or to serve or to give. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But God knows what it is. Maybe it's time for you to heal over your past. And God is saying, would you just trust me with this pain? Would you trust me today? I don't know, but I know this. The cloud is here. The Holy Spirit is here. And He's in the room. And if you're a believer, He's in your heart. And He's talking. So this morning, when you begin to pray that, if an idea popped in your mind, that's probably Him. That's probably his, his voice. That's probably his, his leading. So today, if you say, an idea popped in my mind, and I think it's God speaking to me. Would you just lift your hand today and say, an idea popped in my mind. I got this impression. I got this thought. I think God's leading me today. Just lift your hand up and leave it up. Lift it up and let me see it. Lift it up. Lift it up. Lift it up. Yeah, thank you. Lift it up. Yeah. God, God's given me a step, a direction. I know what to do next. I know what He wants me to do. Here's what I'm going to do. If today you need to receive grace, if today you need God's grace to become a follower, to become a believer in Jesus, you need your sins forgiven, or you need God's grace because you're already a believer, but you need God's grace. Or if you lifted your hand because you know what that little step is, whatever it is, what I want you to do in just a moment is I want you to come to one of the prayer team and just say, I know, I know what that step is. And if you, if you feel comfortable saying what that step is, you can. If you don't, you just come and pray. But here's what I know. When you act on what God gives you, it will start to change you. When you act on what God gives you, it will start to change you. 
When you don't act, nothing changes. It becomes real to you when you take a step. Something changes inside you when you begin to act, when you begin to follow. And so this morning is... The worship team begins to lead. If you lifted your hand, I want you to come now. If you want to receive grace, I want you to come now. If you know what that step is, I want you to come now. If you you want to know what that step is, I want you to come now. And as we sing, if, if if you feel the nudge of the Spirit inside, I want you to come and pray with someone because I want that step to become real to you. Would you come now? Would you come now from all over the room, the balcony? Would you come? Say, Holy Spirit, I want to follow you today. This is a step of faith. I step to follow God. I step to follow Jesus today. I step that my life might be a life of obedience to Him. I step today. Lord, a step of faith. A step of grace. Honor to your name that's so much greater than all
Jesus' name. I'm going to ask our prayer team to stay and our worship team to stay. If you need to be dismissed, you can be. If the Holy Spirit's leading you, I want you to come and hear anybody else go. God bless you.